This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, August 12th. I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, census shows county growing and becoming more diverse. Public health is in our hands. County pulls back on affordable housing ballot measure and a mountain weather forecast. The population of San Miguel County grew by roughly 10 percent and became about 8 percent more diverse between 2010 and 2020. That's according to recently released data from the 2020 U.S. Census. In 2010, the county's population, according to the census, was roughly 7,350. In 2020, it was about 8,050. The percent of the population identifying as Hispanic or Latino grew by about 2% over the decade to about 11% in 2020, and the population of those identifying as two or more races and not Hispanic or Latino also grew by 2% to roughly 3%. The share of the county's population identifying as white declined by 5% to a little less than 84%. For San Miguel County Commissioner Hillary Cooper, the results aren't surprising. I think they're really close to, in fact, what they projected for us and what we were projecting for ourselves. The federal government uses census data to allocate funding for various public services, so the higher population numbers mean more funding for the county. But Cooper also thinks the newly released data should be taken with a grain of salt. This was the first census that was taken in a pandemic. This is the first account uh, that was done online mostly. Plus, she adds, the number of people in the region has changed since the census count last year. Feels like it grew an additional 10% just in the last year, so, um, or even more in the last year. So it almost feels like that data is already outdated. However, you know, many of us sort of think this pandemic is a explode population shift for pandemic migration is a bubble and will most likely level out at some point. Corinne Cavender agrees the data shouldn't be taken at face value. She's the Behavioral Health Operations Coordinator with Tri-County Health Network and worked on the local nonprofit census outreach efforts last year. Our efforts bared fruit, but we got to be a little bit more critical of these numbers, too. Cavender points out that in 2010, the county underreported for the census count. So it's hard to compare the numbers. To understand the numbers of the census, understanding that maybe it's not the entire population of San Miguel County that reported. There's still people that were, um, you know, undocumented that were maybe nervous that that was going to be an issue getting that information out. There's people just that flat out don't do it. Still, based on the official numbers, San Miguel County is in the minority of U.S. counties when it comes to growth. The majority of counties across the country saw populations decrease over the last 10 years, according to the census. On the other hand, San Miguel is following the national trend when it comes to diversity. According to the 2020 data, the U.S. is more racially and ethnically diverse than ever before. With the more contagious Delta variant of COVID-19 spreading, the San Miguel County Public Health Department has a message. The team is very deeply interested in reminding folks that their health is in their hands. That's County Public Information Consultant Lindsay Mills speaking on KOTO on Thursday. When it comes to stopping the spread of the virus, Mills points to a lot of the same measures public health has been pushing 
since the early months of COVID. Mask wearing and washing our hands and limiting our exposure to various people over the course of a week could decrease the spread of this virus over the course of time. Um, paying attention to our symptoms is another really big key to all of this. If you're feeling remotely under the weather, consider isolating until you can get tested. Increased protective measures are needed because, compared to the Delta variant, Mills notes, the original strain of the virus was a different animal. It's spreading much more quickly. It is much more highly contagious. Um, we're seeing breakthrough cases with vaccinated folks, though so they're very um, mild with regard to symptoms most of the time. Um, and the Delta variant in effect with unvaccinated folks is seeming to be a much more aggressive or resulting in much more aggressive symptoms. Um, so higher hospitalization rates have been seen with Delta variant cases at this time. Still, at this time, the county is only sticking to public health guidance rather than issuing the sort of legal mandates common earlier in the pandemic. There won't be at this time regulation imparted by public health um, until the state delineates otherwise, um, unless we see an extreme amount of spread and some high, some high risk cases in the county. Mills points to multiple opportunities to get vaccinated in the coming weeks, including Pfizer clinics this Friday, August 13th in Telluride, and a Moderna clinic next Friday, August 20th, also in Telluride. There are also multiple options for weekly COVID testing. Microgen will be returning to the area on Mondays and Tuesdays to the Lawson Hill Intercept lot from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And they're guaranteeing um, turnaround for your test results by the next day around 2 p.m. County Public Health will also offer mobile testing. Those will be taking place in Telluride at the Miramonte building in the parking lot behind the building on Fridays from 9.45 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And additionally, in Mountain Village on Wednesdays, that's going to move to the Blue Mesa lot next to the Blue Mesa condominium building on Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And Mills adds, testing is available in Norwood by appointment at the Uncompagre Medical Center Monday through Friday. The county, Mills says, also encourages businesses to take advantage of the five-star program, which certifies businesses to operate at less restrictive levels on the COVID dial if the dial framework returns by adding measures such as ventilation and regular sanitation. And I think more than anything, the, the point of the five-star certification program now is for businesses to put checks in place in order to pre protect their staff and protect their clientele as best as they possibly can, not knowing if we will revert to the dial framework um, come winter. The county offers the five-star certification program to local businesses for free. As the local public health situation evolves, Mills encourages anyone to reach out to the county with questions, either through social media or by emailing publichealth at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. San Miguel County will not go to the voters with a ballot question related to affordable housing funding this year. The county commissioners had notified the county clerk of an intent to add a question last month, but at a meeting this week, decided against moving forward with it this election. The discussion comes as the county, like many other local governments in the region, seeks to combat the growing housing crisis. Here's County Manager Mike Bordonia. Obviously, for quite a long time in the county, we've had a lack of affordable housing, especially on the east end. You know, and now that pressure is coming to Norwood in the west end, too, unfortunately. The increased housing pressure from COVID, he adds, is predicted to continue for many years. 
So we're taking an all hands on deck approach to trying to find ways to develop more deed restricted or workforce housing. One strategy in that approach would be raising long term funding for the county to contribute to housing development. And one avenue for that would be to go to the voters for tax increases. But that option was quickly swatted down for this year. I feel pretty strongly that we need to get our ducks in order before we ask voters to support our efforts. That's County Commissioner Hillary Cooper at this week's meeting. In her mind, getting their ducks in a row includes updating the county land use code and reviewing zoning. Fees, she notes, are one tool the county can use without going to the voters. And she adds the county should review the resources it already has and put them in the context of other efforts in the area. Before we talk about buying more land, which we know is very difficult, we should understand what we can do and look at that with the big picture with all the housing that the town of Telluride is proposing. And then, you know, once we get a better understanding from Mountain Village about what they're proposing to increase inventory, then we can actually look at that to see if we do need to raise more money to buy land. Commissioners Lance Waring and Chris Holstrom are on the same page. Here's Holstrom, followed by Waring. How can we expand the potential in the zones that we have to get to yes on some of the things that will ease the housing where we can, where it makes sense. I'm interested, I guess, in all the possibilities that don't require going to the ballot. Ultimately, the commissioners instructed Bordonia to look into fee modifications rather than taxes as a funding source. Those changes wouldn't require going to the voters. The commissioners are also scheduled to meet with a housing consultant later this month to discuss other tools the county could use to generate more affordable housing. All the tools may be on the table, but the commissioners feel they should try out some before resorting to others. This Friday, hundreds of ducks will hit the San Miguel River for the annual KOTO duck race. Waterfowl enthusiasts from far and wide will line the riverbanks as the contestants swim the treacherous waters starting at noon sharp from the Town Park Bridge to the Carhenge Bridge. Ahead of the competition, KOTO spoke with our resident duck race expert and on-air commentator, Ashley Bowling. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. It's really a pleasure to be here, Matt, and I'm so excited about the 2021 KOTO Duck Race, Friday the 13th of August. What year number duck race is this at this point? I think it's the 173rd and a half. Now, you know, longtime attendees of the duck race will, of course, know last year was unprecedented. It was. Uh, We had to postpone it because, I don't know if you heard, there was a global pandemic Heard something about that. It was called the coronavirus. And so we had to postpone the 2020 KOTO duck race, much like the summer uh, Olympic Games in Tokyo. um, We weren't allowed to have duck participants come from um, out of state, from out of country. And so really the best thing to do with public health in mind was to cancel it last year. Well, how how did the ducks fare through the pandemic? Were they all healthy or, or how did they do during this pandemic? Sadly, uh, three top racers in South America from Uruguay perished from the virus. And we also will not be seeing ducks from any of the Stan countries this year because they have a strict uh, travel moratorium. Uh, They don't want to come to the United States because they've heard that it's infected and we don't take it very seriously and they might get infected, which 
I understand, and we have to make the best of things, but in the interest of the International Federation of Waterfowl Racing, the IFWFR, those countries protested and decided they're not sending any teams this year. And longtime attendees will, of course, know the Ducks from the stand countries are our beloved Ducks, beloved competitors, some long time with this Oh, we embrace race. those Ducks and those countries, but they will not be appearing this year. Mm-hmm. You, of course, brought up the Olympics. As I understand it, some of our Ducks actually went to the, the Tokyo Olympics. They did. We, That's we true. World yes. famous Ducks. Yes, they were actually following the one-person canoe uh, sprint races. It was really great. I, I saw some of that on TV, and the Ducks were really holding their own and were out in front creating a beneficial wake for the canoes, which was actually helpful. And there's some discrepancy in the world record-breaking times because people are protesting and say it was an un- unfair advantage to have a, uh, a duck wake actually making the waters calmer for the canoeist. Well, people really underestimate the power these ducks have when they're in the water together. They do have quite a great amount of force when it comes to the current. Oh, they really do. Yeah. Don't under- underestimate your waterfowl. Well, one other topic, just in sporting in general, and I'm not sure how this applies to duck racing recently, has been doping, has been a bit of a scandal. And I don't know, have, has doping at all touched the Telluride Ducks. I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. And it really is a sore subject with some uh, competitors and their teams. The team from Spain, of course, uh, tested positive for anabolic steroids in 2018, and they were stripped of a bronze medal. Now, um, in keeping with the IFWFR regulations, the International Federation for Waterfowl Racing, All the ducks will be tested, whether they win, place, show, they will all be tested before and after the race. So we like to say here at Kodo, we keep it above the board. And I understand you've actually been chatting with some of the ducks as they've been training over the last few weeks. Yes, yes, I have. As you've talked to them, I mean, what is the atmosphere among the ducks knowing that they had to take last year off? Are they excited to get back in the waters after a year off due to COVID? Matt, that's a great question. I'd have to say camaraderie. And, uh, and support for each other. Now, not all the teams are here yet, but some of the teams have come to train at elevation. Uh, you know, ducks that are coming from uh, sea level, like we've got a Sri Lankan team, that's sea level. And so they came early, actually last week, and caught some of the uh, monsoonal river flows, um, which I think they'll be in good shape. They're, uh, they're rested, they're training, their uh, O2 levels are, are near peak performance. I think we're going to see some records broken this Friday. Well, Ashley Bowling is the commentator for the KOTO Duck Race. The ducks are hitting the water in the San Miguel River this Friday at 12 p.m. on the dot. Listeners, we will see you there. Ashley, we will see you there. And thanks for talking with us. Thank you so much, Matt. And uh, it's KOTO in Telluride. The town of Telluride is now accepting applications for 2022 grants from its Commission for Community Assistance, Arts, and Special Events. Case grants are available for arts and special events organizations, as well as community support organizations. Applications are reviewed based on several criteria, including demonstrating that the services provided are unique and necessary, the economic impact on the town, efforts to promote collaboration with other nonprofits, and the diversity and inclusion of the board, staff, and community served. The application deadline is Monday, September 27th. More information on applying for 2022 case grants is available at telluride-co.gov.
black bears across Colorado are entering hyperphagia, which is a fancy scientific way for saying they're getting really hungry ahead of hibernation. In anticipation of their long sleep, black bears will spend up to 20 hours a day searching for thousands of calories to put on pounds to ride out the winter. And while bears prefer natural food, according to Colorado Parks and Wildlife, they will go after human-provided food if it's available. To avoid run-ins with our furry neighbors, CPW urges everyone to keep garbage in well-secured locations, use bear-resistant cans and dumpsters, and only put out garbage on pickup days. If you see a bear CPW notes, yell at it, throw things at it, and make noise to scare it off. Most bear conflicts and euthanizations, the agency notes, are often traced back to human behavior. More bear info is available at cpw.state.co.us slash bears. Even a forest needs a plan. The Grand Mesa, Uncompahgre, and Gunnison National Forest is seeking public comment on a draft revised forest plan. The document will serve as a guide for long-term management of the 2.9 million acre forest. The revision process began in 2017. With the draft plan now available, the public has until Friday, November 12th to provide additional input. Ahead of that deadline, the Forest Service will host virtual webinars and open houses to go over the draft and answer questions. The webinars will take place next week on Tuesday, August 17th and Thursday, August 19th at 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. both days over Zoom. The five ranger districts will also host virtual open houses, with the Norwood Ranger District meeting slated for Wednesday, September 22nd at 5 p.m., also over Zoom. More information on the draft GMUG forest plan, the virtual sessions, and how to submit public comment is available at fs.usda.gov. Governor Jared Polis wants to pay grade school students to regularly get tested for COVID-19 this school year. KOTO Scott Franz has more. The incentive could range between $5 and $25 and would come from federal COVID funds. Polis says ramping up rapid testing will help prevent outbreaks by finding asymptomatic cases. The state continues to offer medical grade masks to teachers. As the Delta variant spreads rapidly around the nation, Polis warned the upcoming school year could get bumpy. Parents should be flexible this year. There might be periods of time where for 10 days or a week, your class might have to go online if, if uh, there is an outbreak in the class. But that is done in the service of keeping schools in person. Polis is not mandating masks or vaccinations in classrooms at this time. Meanwhile, other states, including Oregon and Kentucky, are requiring masks for all students due to rising case numbers. I'm Scott Franz. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for isolated showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Friday, expect cloudy skies with widespread haze in the afternoon and a high in the mid-70s with a 60% chance of precipitation. Friday night should be partly cloudy with a low around 50 and a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Saturday should be mostly sunny with a high in the mid-70s and a 60% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Saturday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a low around 50 degrees and a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms. This has been the news for Thursday, August 12th. Thanks for listening.
If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. There will be no Kodo newscast on Friday, August 13th, and no rebroadcast on Saturday, August 14th. Instead, we will be producing a special live broadcast of the Telluride Jazz Festival main stage performances starting at 5 p.m. on Friday. Featured acts will include The Dip, The Hot Sardines, and Robert Glasper. Tune in on the radio or online at koto.org. We will be back with more news on Monday.